Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates, pages 21 to 39. I think as we study this novel, and this is my third or fourth year of teaching it, it's really important to be open and honest about your feelings regarding how the text makes you feel. For me personally, I feel like my emotional reaction is inadequate. I think that ultimately I feel bad. I feel disconnected from it. I feel very much like he's writing about a world that I knew nothing about. Even though I lived very close, maybe 20, 30 minutes from it. I think being from Baltimore in this case is is difficult at times for me to kind of rationalize these two very different worlds like, that are in this one region. But I think it's important to be honest about it. I don't think that it's something that you should feel bad about your feelings. But I know for me personally, I just I left I'm left a lot of times feeling very hopeless. And this comes from reading this text at this point many, many times. And if you're feeling that same way, it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But what you do with it and where you go from here with this is making sure that you understand that some of the snap judgments you might make about people or some of those feelings you might have uh, that come from your, your own ignorance, it's okay to admit that because this process of reading these texts and what I'm hoping to achieve with you guys this school year is not just to make you empathetic, uh, but to make you question and be open to question and to make you continue to learn. And there's not a better way to learn than through firsthand experiences uh, and to put yourselves in someone else's, else's shoes. One of the most jarring things from pages 21 to 39 is this idea that he had to escape to survive and then he could, es- and then he could discover. Okay, I'm going to say that again. He had to escape, then survive, then discover. I don't think a lot of people have to grow up that way. And I know everyone has their own issues. And just because your issues don't seem as serious as the ones that Ty Hasi went through or someone else you know or a celebrity that you know, all right, your issues are still your issues. And if you are feeling like you need to escape from something to then survive and then you can embark on discovery, and that word discovery means a lot of things here. It could mean... Uh, self-discovery, it could be academic discovery, it could be athletic discovery. But ultimately what we're talking about is a discovery of, of self. And that's one of the aspects of this novel that I really think we need to focus on is the fact that so much time is wasted on getting to the point where you can feel free to pursue your own interests. Escaping and surviving takes up so much time. And the point that Tayahasi Coates is making frequently is that many black men and women do not make it past those two steps. They don't get to the discovery stage. And while we can talk about this in a lower economic standpoint, this novel particularly is, is not the time to do that. We're talking about the black community. We're talking about African-Americans. We're talking about a group of people that whose roots in this country go all the way back to slavery. So as we go through this, this idea of escaping, then surviving, then discovering, many people don't have to go through that. I think in my own life, the idea that I start right away in the discovery phase. There's no escaping. There's no surviving. 
any danger that I put myself in, I put myself in it. You know, you cannot compare, um, you know, bike rides in the county going down hills as surviving as much as your little six-year-old self might think that you're overcoming some major obstacle. He writes in these pages 21 to 39 about the street code and street culture and having to know all the little details just to get to school, to move around. Living in this community, learning how to survive, it's acting out of fear and survival. And he makes the point that it's lost time. So much time is spent on just the basic requirements to move through the community, go from one house to the next, how you're supposed to act if someone looks at you a certain way. All this, co- all these codes that need to be learned and not just because it's a communal aspect, but it's, it's part of survival. So it's important that he, he really talks about this loss of time. Losing time is a luxury for most people. I can speak for my own self that the idea of time, what I struggle with the most is the fact that how I spend it. The older you get, the more responsibilities you have, the more people in your life that depend on you. If you have kids, they now depend on you. Their lives become, their schedules become super important. You're not balancing or managing just one schedule. It becomes four, five, six schedules pretty quickly. But that all is a luxury. The idea of lost time because you're spending time trying to merely know how to get through the day. On top of the fact that you might not have a meal at home. You might go to school or work hungry. You might go go from school to work to home. When are you doing homework? So one of the things we need to think about when Ty Hasekowitz is making this point of time is that we tend to think about wasted time and the things that we want to spend our time doing, the, the leisure activities. Or maybe it's not even leisure activities, it's things that you, your, your passion projects. Tyhasi Coach is pointing out that there, that there isn't that factor. You don't get to that stage. All right? And, and one thing to keep in mind is it doesn't mean that every day is this is a struggle in the sense that there's not there's not laughter there's not love there's not some joy those things can exist but they are existing under the premise that escaping and surviving is first and it's primary and you got to keep all that in mind just how different this upbringing is in comparison to many, many people, myself included. I'll use myself as an example. This is not how I grew up. And we grew up 25, 30 minutes tops from each other. So as we think about this, this idea of time, lost time, you don't gain time back. He points out here, that one of the biggest differences between himself and his son is that his son is not growing up this way. And he doesn't 
truly go in any depth there. He just mentions the old laws and the new laws, or the old rules and the new rules. And that his son, for the most part, is not growing up in this scenario. And while he doesn't really offer a reason why, and we could speculate, but I don't think it's appropriate at this point, that still the scars of having to be raised that way will impact Taihasi as, as a father, as a parent. And he's not going to be one to be like, you know what, things are fine. That's not, that, what happened to me stays with me. It's part of being a parent that he's going to pass that on to his son. And that's what this novel is about. Even though his son is not necessarily going through the same upbringing in that same world, so many of those elements have not moved, which takes us all the way back to what we were, we were studying with Frederick Douglass and some of those core scarring principles that have remained in the American culture. Lost innocence from misunderstanding, from fear, is something that he's trying to address with his son. He felt like he was an adult relatively quickly because of the way he was raised, the street culture, the way his parents had to raise him to be prepared for what might be. And that's why this is such a powerful read because as much as he wants his son to be free from this burden. He needs to make sure he understands the world and understands the world in reality, not the way that we hope it could be. Taihasi Coates points out that the schools and the streets were equally tough on him. Schools were not this place of salvation. It wasn't something that made him feel good about himself because schools focused on compliance and no curiosity. It was about following the rules, understanding order. And for a kid that he points himself out that Taihasi Coates as a boy wanted to be curious, he wanted to learn more, he wanted to have an education that was focused on his interests. He was told he had to be a certain way and do things in a certain manner. Now, we all grow up going to school. We all go go to school doing things that we don't love. But when you don't have any outlets and there's no teacher saying, okay, like here's a way to approach this or we can get through this and you can also focus on these other things, the idea that school long-term or even in the short term becomes like a prison doesn't mean, doesn't really give it an opportunity to turn itself around. Coates points out that schools are not addressing real issues. It's more about a systematic of systematic approach to order, to make kids understand the, the system of society, understanding to fall in line. And if you buck the system, the system's only going to kick you further down the road. Taihasi Coates got in trouble a lot in school. And we'll talk a little bit more about the school section. We'll pull out a couple quotes 
We're going to end today's lecture a little bit with some quotes anyway, but we'll focus on the school ones in class. But as he got in trouble, he was asked to write. And through writing, he started to draw himself into consciousness. He became more aware of himself. He also was self-educating himself outside of school with books of his parents who were a huge influence on his academic life or his intellectual life. Let's rephrase that. But writing became a key to him and a key for him because he got to express himself. He got to spend the time in his thoughts. There is safety in that forum, being able to write. There's no judgment. There's no street culture to worry about. You're writing. It's about you and your thoughts. If you don't like it, you can tear it up and throw it away. And just that little hint that writing was the thing that made him feel alive. After everything that's going on outside of him, the ability to kind of just put your thoughts down is one of the little takeaways here. That as we saw with Frederick Douglass, where hope, the little bit of hope that Frederick would always dive into. Here, Tyhasi Coates is a young boy, frustrated, scared, sad, being taught by his parents to be a strong black man, but finding himself truly through writing. And it's just a little bit of a tidbit there that I think opens up a lot to his character and something that we all can take away from. We'll talk about two sections here before we wrap up. In this section, this is on page 32, he's talking about how when February rolled around, it's Black History Month, and they always celebrated the non-violent black leaders. He was talking about sort of the hypocrisy of this. He says, I judged them against the country I knew, which had acquired the land through murder and tamed it under slavery, against the country whose armies fanned out across the world to extend their dominion. The world, the real one, was civilized, secure, and ruled by savage means. How could schools valorize men and women whose values society actively scorned? How could they send us out into the streets of Baltimore knowing all they were and then speaking of nonviolence? He continues on page 33 and says, Very few Americans will directly proclaim that they, that they are in favor of black people being left to the streets. But a very large number of Americans will do all they can to preserve the dream. And we'll talk about this dream a little bit. And then later on in this section, he talks a lot about Malcolm X and sort of his influence on himself as a young man. What I want to talk about here briefly is this idea of nonviolence and how schools sometimes are used in many ways to preach the society that we wish we had or maybe the culture that we wish we had versus what the reality is. And we'll talk about these sections in more depth in class. But I want to point out the fact that sometimes school is used in a way to make sure that the people, which would be the future generation, the children sitting in the seats, are being influenced by thoughts, ideas, opinions, even facts that will direct them sometimes to a hopeful, better world. I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say that we wish the world to be more violent. And it's not about lack of honesty. Sometimes it is. 
But in this case, it's, it's just about we're going to celebrate the people that we want other children to grow up to want to be like. We don't want to live in a violent society. We want to live in a society where people feel the only way they can be heard, the only way change can take place is through violence. So we teach that in schools so that when they become adults, that civilized discussion is the way change comes about. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. In a lot of ways, all, in a lot of places all over the world, that's not the case. So this is not to question your academic career or question everything you're taught or to think about every teacher who's ever taught you and think about them in some sort of manipulative way. That's not it at all. The other thing you got to remember about is just flat out time and laziness. Sometimes it's easier just to go and skim the, the most important, most visible people. Those are the ones you learn about. Teachers are always indebted with so much to cover in so little time that going in great, great depth doesn't come until maybe college or postgraduate work. But you got to think about this idea that what we're taught, how information is presented, isn't always being presented in a way of how things exactly were. And it's almost impossible sometimes to get that perfectly right. There's so many opinions on the matter. And as we covered this year already, we know that history is always written by the victor. And it takes time for writers, narratives, historians to paint the most accurate picture. And usually as time passes, sometimes it even becomes clear. But in that initial moment, things can get warped. So as we think about this quote, this idea that we're a, a country that preaches nonviolence, that celebrates nonviolence, but yet became a colony in an incredible violent way, became a successful country through the institution of slavery, through violence at times through various wars. It's not to say that violence is bad. At certain times you get pushed into a corner and fighting is the only option. But to say that it's not part of the American tradition or to leave it out of the American discussion is short-sighted. Violence towards minorities based on racism, violence towards indigenous people based off of racism is always wrong. And to try to celebrate only the leaders of nonviolent movements and hope that those are the heroes of the children who resemble those men and women is painting just a very different picture. So we're going to talk about this in class. There's a lot to discuss. It's not necessarily cut and dry. Obviously, we've talked about this, that you can have a variety of opinions. I read this text every year and come up with different thoughts and ideas. And the biggest thing I want you to do is I want you to think about what Tyhasi Coates is presenting. 
And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of his 15-year-old son. That's my biggest goal as we read the rest of this text. You can read this for Ty Hasi Coates' story, but I want you to pretend that this is being written for you, to you. What are your biggest takeaways from it? What are you gaining from it? Where do you feel uncomfortable or awkward? And we're going to continue this conversation in class, and I hope you continue to enjoy the novel. There's a lot to digest, a lot to think about. And we got some good essays coming up that I really do hope you get to share some of your own thoughts on this as we continue to focus on reflective writing with this novel and this sort of approach to the content.